We are starting this new series uh, looking at the book of Ephesians. And so one thing that I did is because we're going to go through kind of a whole book really quickly over five weeks, what I did was I made up I made up some devotionals for you. All this is, is this splits up the whole book of Ephesians into 20 days. Just the weekdays. I gave you the weekends off. This will take you from tomorrow all the way to Tuesday of our last day of our series. So what I'm hoping is that you guys will take these tonight. Our leaders will hand them out after the talk tonight before you go to small group time. I hope you take these. I hope you write down things that you find that God speaks to you as you read Ephesians and that you would bring them back and that maybe on that last night we'd have some people be able to share some things that they learned. We're not able over five weeks to go over every single verse and every single thing that happens in the book of Ephesians, uh, but you guys can take 20 days and work through that book and see what God has to say to you. So just a simple little tool. Hopefully you will take that. We can read the book of Ephesians together over the next five weeks as we do this series. For all of us, I think we want the most out of life. Would you agree? You want the most out of life. No one actually wants to live a normal life. And nobody really knows what that means anymore, what a normal life looks like. We want a life that's exciting. We want a life of things filled that make us happy, that we can be passionate about, that bring us joy, that bring us excitement. We want this, what I'm calling, one wild life. I don't think that you would characterize my life as wild. I don't think that I've made a lot of irrational, crazy decisions or stupid or reckless things. Uh, But I can think of some crazy, wild things that I have done in my life. As I was thinking about tonight and thinking about this talk, uh, I was reminded of this trip to Camp Quanos. Who's been, anybody been to Camp Quanos? Yeah? Uh, I went when I was in high school. We went for a weekend retreat in October. And my mom had given me money for food on the way there and for the tuck shop. And me being a growing high school boy, I spent all my money on chocolate bars and chips and pop while I was there. So I had no money left on the last day when we were going to be heading home. So I remember concocting this plan as I was sitting at the breakfast table. And I looked at my friends who were sitting at this table. There was about eight of us around the table. And I said, how much will you pay me? to eat the scraps left over from breakfast. And they started laughing, and finally one of the girls that was sitting at our table said, $10. So I thought about it. I thought about what I could get for $10 on the ferry. I computed. Uh, I was already willing to embarrass myself in front of my friends. So, okay, I'll do it. So they put all of their scraps from breakfast, powdered eggs and cereal and oatmeal and uh, half-eaten sausages, all this stuff into one bowl and handed it to me. As I was thinking about this story, there was no smartphones, if you can imagine that, when I was in high school. Somebody had a tape recorder, though. You know, cassette tapes, and you could press record. I know, it sounds ridiculous, but anyways, so... So the cool thing was that she was going to record what was happening while I was eating this mush, essentially. So I started taking bites, and I eventually finished it, and they eventually found $10 they, amongst themselves and gave it to me. And I ate really well on the ferry to make up for the mush I had eaten, eaten for breakfast. 
But I remember sitting on the ferry, listening back to this cassette tape, which just sounds ridiculous as I'm saying it. Um, And I can hear the girls at the table, like, dry heaving on the recording as they're watching me eat this mush. I might not have had a wild and crazy life, but I've done wild things. And I think that all of us can think of weird and wild and crazy things that we've done. I think for many of us, we live our lives in this same way, not eating breakfast scraps, but kind of living for the next, what I'm going to call the next adrenaline rush, the next thing that makes us happy, the next, next thing that brings us joy, the next thing that brings us this excitement. And the adrenaline rush is not just... The adrenaline rush, we believe, will bring us to this wild life. Let's be clear, living for the next adrenaline rush doesn't just apply to party animals or uh, thrill seekers, risk takers, um, or people living recklessly. I'm going to give you a few examples of what I mean by living uh, for an adrenaline rush. Living life for the next adrenaline rush can look like not being content until you find the next crush that you're going to have. Living life for the next adrenaline rush can be seen in how far you are willing to push the physical boundaries with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Living life for the next adrenaline rush can look like equating your entire school year success on how well you do on a sports team or on a hobby. Living your life for the next adrenaline rush can be spending all of your time desiring the next thing that you have to have, the next thing you have to purchase, that new pair of shoes, uh, that new clothing, the new video game you need to get. Maybe it's a new uh, instrument, a new phone, or a new tablet. You're spending way too much time desiring those things. Living life for the next adrenaline rush can be committing a significant amount of time just wanting to be popular or wanting to be part of a crowd, wanting to be someone else. Maybe you're spending too much time on Instagram, having insta-jealousy, looking at post after post, wishing that you uh, were living other people's lives. Maybe you're having a bad case of FOMO like we talked about. The point is that living life for the next adrenaline rush can look differently for everyone, but all of us have ways in which we live like this. All of us have ways in which we're looking for the next thing. We're looking for the next thing that will make us happy or excite us or the things we can get passionate about. And all people believe living this way will lead to a fulfilled, complete, exciting, rewarding, wild life. But there's a verse in the Bible that challenges the reward of this adrenaline rush. It's Proverbs 14, 12. It says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. What I'm proposing tonight and for the rest of this series is that what many of us assume to be the wild life is actually just the normal life. That the normal life is everybody just looking for that next adrenaline rush. There's nothing wrong with living the normal life, but it doesn't necessarily lead to meaning and fulfillment. The Bible says that the normal life can lead to disappointment, emptiness, and regret. So for this series, we're going to walk through the book of Ephesians. We're going to walk through these six chapters. And we're going to look at what God has to say about living uh, an out-of-the-ordinary life, a life that God intended for us, 
a life filled with meaning and purpose, this one wild life. So if we're going to go through the book of Ephesians, I have to tell you a few things about this book of the Bible. The book of the Bible's in the New Testament. It's written by a guy named Paul, the Apostle Paul. Maybe you've heard of him before. Uh, Paul did these missionary trips all around the Middle East, and he did a bunch of them. But on his second and third missionary trips, he ended up in this place called Ephesus, where he started to build this church. He met with other Christians. They were talking about Jesus, maybe like we do tonight, or we do on Tuesday nights. He was seeing people come to find relationship with Jesus. They were building this church. In Ephesus, though, there was uh, this temple to the Greek god Artemis. And Paul's ministry was uh, thriving so much that he was disrupting the business in that city. He was disrupting the the idols and the other businesses uh, that were selling to, uh, to people who were trying to worship this Greek god. So his ministry was flourishing. He was doing all of this work. He spent over two years in that place. Uh, and then he left. He left them to be the church they were going to be in Ephesus. And at a point in his life, he ended up becoming uh, imprisoned for his ministry, for the things that he was doing. And he didn't want to leave the Ephesians or any of the other churches that he had talked to alone. And so he wrote these letters. And Ephesians, as we go through it, is one of those letters. One of those letters that he wrote to the Ephesian church. And at its very core, the book of Ephesians is about uh, the core of what Christianity is about, what it means to be a Christian. And tonight we're going to look at a passage from Ephesians 1 where Paul actually writes a prayer thousands of years ago that encourages us to truly live wild lives. Ephesians 1, 18 to 21 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Many of us have our hearts blinded and our lives filled with the pursuit of the next adrenaline rush. And I gave you a short list tonight of things so you could see the scope that all of us have those things. All of us have those things that we've filled our lives with. But God wants to open our eyes and our hearts to realize three things tonight. These are the three things we're going to talk about. The hope he gives us, the extraordinary value he places on us, and the power he works through us. So the first one is this, hope. Hope. Ephesians 1, 18. I pray that the eyes of our heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Hope is this idea of expecting with confidence. It's so easy to look at the news or read posts on social media or watch the TV, and it's easy to lose hope. We were in Portland this last weekend, and we turned on the TV one morning, and there was the march that happened in the States. 
where all of these teenagers, uh, just, just like you guys, your age, were marching in these massive cities in the States, uh, trying to let their voice be heard about gun control because of the things that are going on in the news. <clears throat> and we watched the news for a while, and we listened to some of the speeches, and then we left our hotel, and we walked not even two blocks away, and we could hear this chanting, and so we stopped, and we turned around, and there was this courthouse square right near our hotel, and we saw, we saw hundreds of students with signs coming down and letting their voice be heard. But they're immobilizing because they want hope in this situation. They've seen violence. They've seen uh, the, the lack of hope in some of these situations. And so they're standing up. And so it's so easy for us to see that on the news and on social media and in our culture. That sometimes there's very little certainty to what we might find even tomorrow in our lives. And yet God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me so that our lives could be filled with hope. For anyone who has believed in Jesus and who has a relationship with him can have hope. Can have hope because if we believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross, then we have hope no matter how bad or how bad life gets. We can have a perfect record with God. We can have hope that one day we will actually see Jesus. We will actually be able to experience life the way that we were designed to experience it, without sin and without separation from God. And our hope in Jesus isn't just this internal insurance policy. When we talk about accepting Jesus and having a relationship with him, we always couple that with the fact that we're promised heaven and we're promised eternity to hang out with God. But I don't want to oversell this eternal insurance policy like this is something you just buy. The fact is that, that God wants you to have the best life now. He wants you to have this one wild life and have the expectation that we are going to spend eternity with him. Not life sucks and then we get heaven, but life is awesome now and we get heaven. It's not normal to live with this kind of hope. It's not normal to think about these things. It's actually part of a wild life to choose to see hope this way. So can you choose to focus on the hope that Jesus brings to your life? Number two is value. God wants our lives not only to be characterized by hope, but also by value. I pray that your eyes and your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which you have, he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The term holy people here is not referring to someone who's perfect, but refers to people, people who have trusted God to forgive him or her and is viewed by God as perfect even though he or she isn't. God calls them forgiven yet imperfect people, holy people and the rich, riches of his glorious inheritance. And it'd be easy to think that God is talking about somebody else in this moment, the riches of his glorious inheritance. But he's talking about us. This is the line that I want you to hear tonight. 
This insane value should give you a glimpse of God's insane love for you. This insane value should give you a glimpse of God's insane love for you. We often look to other sources to find our value. We look at other people and other relationships. We look at our friends, our boyfriend or girlfriend. We look to teachers or coaches for praise, for value. And sometimes, or a lot of the times, we get hurt by those people because they're human. Because they can't be perfect all the time. For a lot of us, we can look at times where we've experienced hurt or the feeling of being devalued by others through their words or through their actions. But don't let that cloud your ability to understand how much you are valued by God. That God puts an insane, insane value on your life. And it is extraordinary. Do we value the extraordinary value that God places on us? Are we willing to see the hope that God has for us? Are we willing to see the value that God places on us? The last thing is power. When we exchange our normal life for a truly wild life, not only do we receive hope, not only do we understand our extraordinary value that God has for us, but we receive power that comes only from God. And His incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. That power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead. We are almost at Easter weekend. We're almost at Good Friday and Easter Sunday where we celebrate Jesus dying on the cross and then being raised to life. And this passage is saying that the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead is the same power that He gives us to live life. It becomes part of our DNA. It is God living within us. Giving us power to understand the hope. Giving us power to understand the value. Giving us power to look past what normal life looks like to live this one wildlife. It's my prayer that over the next few weeks that you will see what it means to live a wild life. That you would see more clearly how your life can be characterized by hope and by value and by power. So here's some questions for you tonight. Are you experiencing this hope? Are you experiencing value? Are you experiencing power in your life?